it to right. That'll score one. That'll score two as the ball gets away from Grisham and Wright. That's going to score three runs. And the Washington Nationals have the lead. We win as a team, we lose as a team, we had more opportunities to score runs. Um, you know, it happens. I think today was, was a reminder why it's so important, so significant to win your division. Because, um, you know, you play these, these single game elimination uh, games and things like that can happen. Just didn't have the location on my pitches. Uh, fell behind early in the count, which didn't help. So uh, they attacked the, the heater when they had a chance to swing. And uh, I just wasn't, uh, wasn't in the zone. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. I'm fine. This is fine. Everything's fine. I'm not overreacting. Night wasn't ruined. I'm f- I'm fine. Look, I'm over it. I, I, I'm it's fine. Brewers lose four three last night. Led the entire game. Game's going perfectly. And of course, of course, of course, of course, with a comfortable three one lead, the Nationals come from behind at the last second. Some weird fluke ball that gets under the the, the glove of Trent Grisham in right field and some just BS broken bat stoinker to center field and a throwing error by Mike Moustakis. Just, of course, of course. And I'm fine. This is fine. We're all we're all fine here. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Uh, we got to bury the Brewers today. Brewers are dead. Their season is done. Look, if, if, if the Brewers are going to lose last night, that's not exactly how I pictured it. That's not how I envisioned it happening. Although maybe I should have because this is beginning to... It, it's not beginning to become a theme with our Wisconsin sports teams. This is just what Wisconsin sports are. Get your hopes up. You believe in them. You wrap your arms around these teams. You're fully committed. You're fully bought in. And then, oh, never mind, at the last moment. Uh, and, and now we have an example of that with just about every team uh, in our Wisconsin sports fandom. Although the Brewers have, have kind of done it in back-to-back years. Last year, making it all the way to Game 7, having a home game to make the World Series and just not getting the job done. And, of course, last night, jumping almost immediately out to a 3 nothing lead. Uh, Eric Thames and Yasmani Grandal both hitting home runs and, and having a comfortable 3-1 lead going into what should be the best part of your team, which is your bullpen, and the best arm in your bullpen, which is Josh Hader, and, and none of it made any difference because it, it sometimes feels like this is our destiny uh, as Wisconsin sports fans. It really does. It, it just does. We're going to talk a lot about the Brewers today because I said we we got to bury them. I mean, they're done. Talk about last night's game, although I don't, I, honestly, I don't really know if there's a whole lot to break down. I don't think there's a lot of, I don't think there's a lot of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Got it. I'm just not in the mood to talk Brewers today. Unfortunately, we have to. Uh, there's not a lot of strategy that went into last night's loss. I, I don't think it was a game planning thing. I don't think it was a managing thing. It was one or two just, Unlucky plays at unlucky times, and I think that that might even make it more frustrating. I don't think there's a whole lot to dig into with this game, but we got to talk about it. We got to talk about the offseason. We got to bury the Brewers because they are done losing in that one game wild card last night. Look, we, we talked about it yesterday, right? It doesn't matter who they're playing. 
Who is pitching? The Brewers were able to get their runs off of Scherzer, which no one expected. I think if we expected the Brewers to have offensive success, it was going to be once Scherzer was out of the game. No, not the case. It just it doesn't matter. In a one-game wild card, it, 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 that's what happens. And Ryan Braun, let's replay that soundbite. I think Ryan Braun caps it, caps it off very nicely last night. We win as a team. We lose as a team. We had more opportunities to score runs. Um, you know, it happens. I think today was, was a reminder why it's so important, so significant to win your division. Because, um, you know, you play these, these single-game elimination uh, games and things like that can happen. A- anything can happen. Anything can happen in a one-game single-elimination one game playoff. Anything. I, I'm I'm not I'm not disregarding this game as well. That it serves him right. Should have won the division. Well, some years you can't win the division, right? Some years you get unlucky. Some years you fight injury, and the wild card is the best way through, the only way through. That doesn't excuse losing a game you should absolutely win, right? I, I'm not casting this off as well. It's why you should win the division. But obviously, last night is a lesson and a lesson learned that. Even when everything's going your way and you have the perfect game plan and every all the things fall into place, you just never know because it's a one-game wild card. It's a, it's a winner, moves on, loser, goes home. You want to talk Brewers? You want to join the, Bre- the Brewers' funeral today with me? You can, 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talking text line. Uh, Twitter's wide open as well, at Keystroker Grant. That's my account, and at WKTY. That's how you can reach all of us uh, here at the station. I, I Are any of us surprised? Disappointed, absolutely. Frustrated, absolutely. I, I feel a little bit exhausted just because I, I feel like we've we've seen this result with our teams in postseason play before. You, you can feel a lot of things. I, I got to say, I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked. I, I, I'm not going to say I predicted it. I saw it coming, but I'm not surprised. And, and it, of course, the, the Brewers didn't lose 10 to 1 last night. Of course. Of course the Brewers were leading 3-1 to one last night and everything was going their way. Just like, of course, the Bucks were up to nothing in the Eastern Conference Finals last spring with everything going their way. Just like, of course, the Packers were leading 19-7 to seven with less than four minutes in the NFC Championship game in 2014 in Seattle. Couple minutes to go to the Super Bowl, up more than, than one score. Of course, the Badgers were up eight with less than five minutes to play against Duke in the National Championship game in, in, in 2015. Of course, of course, of course, because that's... How Wisconsin sports work? Just a litany of examples. I didn't include any of the Wisconsin Big Ten championship games in football. Penn State is the first one that comes to mind. Ohio State could come to mind, right? Michigan State could come to mind. Just an entire litany of examples of a a postseason game, a high-stakes postseason game or series. Everything going the way of Wisconsin. Everything lining up for Wisconsin and these teams have found a way to break our heart over and over and over again, regardless. Of course, Wisconsin sports have done this really weird thing where they have found out how to be really, really good and just maddening at the same time, right? I, I, I'm not going to act like I'm depraved like a Vikings fan, right? Like Vikings, they've never won a Super Bowl, Right, they've had very little postseason success. I'm not depraved. I'm not deprived of good football. But the Packers have found a, a way to both be elite and, and incredible and, and awe-inspiring with some of the plays that Aaron Rodgers has made and also break your heart at the last second. That's really hard to do. Right, The Brewers have found a way to be energetic and, and to be the hottest team at the right time. Right, and to be fun to watch and well put together and well buttoned up and well managed and also 
break your heart every single time. That's hard to do. It's hard to exist with both of those those dynamics going on at once. The Bucks last year. Oh my God, it looked like they might never lose again. Right? They ran rough shot all over the Pistons. After game one of the Boston series, I don't know if I've ever seen a, a, a playoff team look so dominant for five games in a row. You win the first two against Toronto, and then you're up and with a chance to win, and, and you go to overtime in game three, and you lose, and you don't win another. It's really hard to be great and amazing and well-coached and, 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 and a well-executing team that does all the little things right and, and win in the postseason and also find a way to mess it up in, in the most heartbreaking way possible. Right? Wisconsin sports fans exist in, in, in two realms. They're not Cleveland. Right? They're not Minnesota. They're not Miami. But they're also not New England. Right? They're not Golden State. They're not St. Louis. They've found a way to take the worst of both classes of sports teams and combine them for this heart-wrenching, heart-breaking, just mess every single time. Every single time. It's tough to do. And and I don't buy into people who say, well, you just got to enjoy the ride. I Screw that up. I'm not going to enjoy the ride. Are you kidding me? What about last night was enjoyable? What about last night was enjoyable? Or people people who say, this is one of my favorite arguments. This, is, this might be my favorite. When people say, well, if I had told you a month ago when the Brewers looked dead uh, that they were going to be up three to one in the eighth inning of a wild card game, I would have said, they better freaking win it. I swear I'm going to lose my mind. That's what I would have said, right? Every time. Lord, last year, what if I would have told you the Brewers would have made it all the way to Game 7 at the NLCS? You wouldn't have taken that? Yeah, I would have. And I said, well, you got Game 7 at home. You better friggin' win it, I swear. I'm not enjoy the ride guy. I'm not, what if I told you? Well, what if we could go back and I could tell you? Well, that's we don't live in a, in a land of, of fairy tales and crystal balls and, and, and looking into the future. That's not how sports work. And it's certainly, God, it's certainly not how Wisconsin sports work. Today we got to bury the Brewers. They lost four to three last night in the most gut wrenching and 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 unlucky and just horrific way possible. We're going to talk about last night's game, but as I said earlier, I I don't know if there's a lot of strategy and game planning that went into last night's loss. I, I just think it was a lack of execution by by one player, by Josh Hader. And I don't think people are angry. I don't think people are calling for Josh Hader to be cut. And then of course you can look at Trent Grisham's just fluke play in the outfield as well. It's just Two players made some mistakes. That's all it is. I I do want to kind of break down last night's game and exactly how it went because it went pretty perfectly for the Brewers and for Craig Council and for Brewers fans until it didn't. So we're going to continue to talk about Brewers. We're going to end on a high note today, too. We're going to talk about the Packers uh, at about quarter to six right before we're done. So we're going to close on a more positive note, on a different note. Uh, but as for right now, this is the the funeral of the 2019 Milwaukee Brewers. More of the Wisco Sports Show presented by Played Against Sports coming up next year on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for being here. We are burying the 2019 Milwaukee Brewers. They fell last night in their one-game wild card to the Washington Nationals. Four to three. Brewers led three to one all the way into the bottom of the eighth inning when Josh Hader came on uh, and, and surrendered three runs, two of them scoring off a single 
by Juan Soto. The third run coming across as an error. Trent Grisham letting the ball get under his glove. The third one, uh, third run recorded uh, in getting Soto in a rundown. Otherwise, I don't know. I look. Josh Hader gives up that hit. If if Soto isn't tied up in that rundown, do they keep Hader out there? I don't know what they would have done. I think the Brewers did get a little bit lucky in that sense that Soto was able to be tagged out in that rundown in the bottom of the eighth, but nonetheless, not able to come back in the ninth, so it doesn't matter. Four to three, the Nationals win last night. I, I, I'm so frustrated by last night's game. Look, I, I've watched the Packers lose in the playoffs geez, all but like three or four years of my life. I, I can't do the math off the top of my head. I, I can I can take playoff losses. I can take losses. I, I've seen plenty of them, right? This one stings because I I, I don't know what else the, 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 the Brewers could have done, right? Some of those heartbreaking losses we talked about uh, last segment, right? The Packers in the NFC Championship game. You can point to four or five things in 2014 that they should have and, and could have done differently. Any one of them, would have led to a Packers win, right? You can talk about the Eastern Conference Finals last year with the Bucks going up 2-0. All the things they did poorly from there on out that prevented them from, from advancing to the NBA Finals. The Badgers, right? Up eight with less than five minutes to go. You, you can talk about all the things they could have done better to try to beat Duke, right? Last night, I don't know what could have gone better for the Brewers. I don't know what move Craig Council could have made. I don't know what play could have gone better, right? Brewers getting a little bit unlucky in the in the bottom of the eighth inning as well, right? The the, the Stoinker broken bat single to center field, right by 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 Jordan Zimmerman, and then of course the hit by pitch that maybe or maybe wasn't a hit by pitch looked like it hit the bat first, but it was ruled uh, the opposite way on the field. So well, not enough evidence to overturn. Okay, we'll have heard that story before, right? I don't know what they I don't know what Craig Council could have done differently. In fact. He talked about it last night in his press conference. I thought he did a really good job in about 30 seconds summing up how the game went went perfectly and everything went well. It, it just didn't turn out the way they wanted. You know, it started with Woody, and Woody did an incredible job. Getting us four innings was um, was special. Suter got through the inning. It, just, it was a struggle. We'd probably planned on more innings from him, but I just thought that uh, with who was coming up that inning, that it was a great inning for Drew to start it. He threw the ball really well, and then we're six outs away. So, uh, if I could, if you could have told me we'd hand the ball six outs to go to Josh, that's that would have fit our script really, really well. Um, it just didn't play. It, it just didn't play. I think Craig Council summed it up best, and and we're handing the ball to Josh Hader with six outs to go. I don't know how that lines up more perfectly, and with a two-run lead, it's not you're you're not leading by one run. It's not tied. You're up two runs. And you're handing the ball to Josh Hader with six outs to go. And I've heard plenty of people today. Well, how nervous were you? I, I was not feeling good when Hader came out. Of course you were nervous. This is the eighth inning of a playoff game. A win or, or, or go home playoff game. Of course you were nervous. That doesn't mean it was the wrong move. That doesn't mean Craig Council sent the wrong arm out there. Of course you were nervous. Everyone was nervous. Until the Brewers won or lost, I was going to be nervous. That's how sports work. It's how baseball works in the postseason. Every pitch, you're living and dying. You're holding your breath with every pitch, especially when when Hader was taking the count full, as he did a couple of times last night. Man, I had a bad feeling. Of course you were nervous. Of course you had a bad feeling. That doesn't mean it was the wrong move. We talked on, on yesterday's show. Hunter Baumgart joined me uh, for the last half hour of the show as, as we prepared for the wild card game. Trying to put ourselves in Craig Council's shoes and trying to adopt the mindset of Craig Council going into last night. 
We talked about what we thought the ideal game plan would be, right? Brandon Woodruff starts, goes three or four innings. Last night, he does exactly that and was great. Outside of one home run that was just, it was a well-hit ball. Outside of that one-hit ball by Trey Turner, Woodruff was tremendous. He was great. He was everything the Brewers could have asked for last night, right? I, I think it it maxed out pretty well. Went four innings, right? I, I would I would I said three, maybe four. Be shocked if he went into five. Check. That went according to plan. Brent Suter came on, and I tell you what, the Nationals made him work, but I was impressed by Brent Suter working with traffic on the bags, working with with uh, high pitch counts last night and, and full counts, some stressful pitches for Brent Suter, but he was great. Went an inning uh, without allowing any runs. And Craig Council said, look, we, we were hoping to maybe get more than an inning out of Brent, uh, but we thought... With, with, the, with the hitters that were coming up the next inning and the amount of pitches that Brent Suter had thrown, that Drew Pomerantz was probably going to be the right guy. And Drew Pomerantz was great last night. Two innings, no hits, two strikeouts. Was great. And as Craig Council alluded to in his press conference, now you have six outs to go and you're handing the ball to one of the best relievers in the game, certainly the Brewers' best reliever and their closer, Josh Hader. Just didn't work out. It just didn't work out. Listen, listen to that conclusion of that that answer one more time. Uh, if I could, if you could have told me would hand the ball six outs to go to Josh, that's that would have fit our script really, really well. Um, it just didn't play. It, it just didn't play. What about last night could have gone better for the Brewers? What manager moves could Craig Council have made that would have worked better for the Brewers? I don't know. Maybe Bre- I, honestly, Brent Suter pitching two innings and Pomeranz. Pitching the eighth, so Hader only has to pitch the ninth. I mean, I mean, now you're really, you're really being nitpicky, and you're really getting greedy, right? You made it through seven innings, only allowing one run last night, using the pitchers that Craig Council planned on using in the order that he planned on using them, and it just didn't work out, and that's why it's so frustrating, right? There's no obvious error to say God McCarthy should have done this, right? Greg Garter or Bo Ryan should have done this, right? Alex Hornibrook shouldn't have done this. Josh Hader just just couldn't make it out when it came down to it. He was one broken bat single away and a, and a possible hit-by-pitch review call away from getting out of the inning and going to the ninth, still up 3-1. to one. And that's why last night's game was so frustrating. It, it, little For perspective here, Josh Hader gave up two singles, right? The, the flare to center field, uh, and then the Juan Soto line drive into right field. A hit batter and a walk were the other two base runners, right? Josh Hader fished, p- faced 66 left-handed hitters this year. He gave up a single to one of them. One left-handed hitter actually put the ball in play for a single this year against Josh Hader. He hadn't allowed two singles in the same appearance since May 27th. Think about that. Jason Stark tweeted that out last night. He he covers baseball for The Athletic. Joey Votto. Joey Votto, the tough customer, gritty Joey Votto, who refuses to strike out, was the only left-handed hitter in baseball to single off Josh Hader this season. Juan Soto. I mean, I mean look, can you be mad about the, the Zimmerman single? It was a broken bat flare. What, sometimes that happens. It, it, I'm going to, okay, I'll be honest, and I'll play the victim here. It seems like it happens... Uh, for other teams, a lot more than it happens for the Brewers. But an anomaly, right? Josh Hader did something that he never does. And that's give up more than one single, a, a period single, 
to a left-handed hitter, let alone two. And then, of course, Trent, Trent Grisham just can't keep his glove on the turf to, to haul in the, the ball. I don't see what Craig Council could have done differently. The only regret I think the Brewers maybe have, and, and, and Ryan Braun alluded to this in his post-game press conference last night, is maybe the offense left some opportunities out there. It felt as though last night that, that the Brewers were just one big hit away from busting that game open, right? And let's be real, a good percentage of the Brewers' regular season, that's how it was as well. The Brewers could hit home runs here and there. They could get traffic on the bases, right? They could get walks or singles or or they could get on one way or another. They could just never come through with that big hit to really bust open a night offensively, to turn that three spot into a five spot or six spot, right? The Brewers had traffic on the bases last night against Scherzer. They, I mean, they had plenty of opportunities for a single or a double to knock in a couple of extra insurance runs. They just didn't. Kind of feels like uh, the trend continued from the regular season. Now, that being said, plan went plan went perfectly. Everything went according to plan for Craig Council. And, and the phone's not ringing off the hook. I'm not getting texts saying Craig Council should have done this. I'm not getting a caller saying Craig Council should have done this. So I, I'm assuming that most of you agree with me. If you want to argue, 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talking text line. I'm assuming most of you agree with me. Brandon Woodruff for four, he was great. Brent Suter for one, made him work, but but he was gritty and he got out of it. Drew Pomerantz was lights out for two innings. And, and now you have six outs. Six outs. And the best reliever on your team, one of the best relievers in baseball on the mound, would have taken that 10 out of 10 times. It just didn't happen, which is why last night's loss hurts all the more. All the more. When everything goes according to plan and it still doesn't work out, that's that's one of the more helpless one of the more just confusing feelings as a sports fan. Feel like the Brewers should have won last night, and they just didn't. Nobody's really to blame except for Josh Hader. And it's hard to blame Josh Hader when he's been as dominant as he has been the last two years. We look forward now to the Brewers' offseason. they got some choices to make, as does some of their division mates in the NL Central as well, especially the Cubs. Where do the Brewers go from here? they got a lot of free agents, including two huge free agents, uh, to try to deal with. We'll talk about that and, and and maybe try to get into the headspace of David Stearns and, and where the Brewers go from here. That's coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show presented by Played Against Sports. You're listening to WKTY. Uh, if I could, if you could have told me we'd hand the ball six outs to go to Josh, that's that would have fit our script really, really well. Um, it just didn't play. I, I'm so proud of the way we battled and the urgency that we played with and how together we became you know better than anybody thought we could be it's, it's a special group they accomplished a lot and they, sh- they should be proud um, this is a difficult night no reason to hang your heads uh, with the season we have absolutely none for us Greg Council last night preaching positivity no reason to hang your head that doesn't make me feel better I don't know Hopefully it works on his players, not really working on me. My name is Grant Bills. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM and 580 AM. We're kind of burying the Brewers today, right? This is their funeral. Their 2019 funerals, they were eliminated by the Nationals, losing 4-3 to last night in a game where everything was headed in the right direction. Everything was going according to plan. 
uh, until it wasn't, and I think that might be the most frustrating way to lose a game. 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talking text line. Victoria here in lacrosse. It's a tough day, Victoria. What's on your mind with the Brewers right now? Oh, Grant, I think a lot of it is we kind of forgot about the setup man all through the year. You know, with Jeffries not having the year that we expected and with Knable being out, we really just relied on Hader to be a six-out save guy. And I feel like we really kind of, it kind of exposed this year in this game where if we had one more guy like a Jeffries or a Knable that could have gone in, you know, in the eighth or that would have pushed Pomerantz to the eighth and gone in the seventh, I think that would have made it to where we had a fresh Hader for the last three outs. And I feel like that would have made a huge difference. I think one extra arm would make a huge difference. Victoria, I, I, I'm i having an issue trying to wrap my mind around this, but if, if let's say there was a Knable in the bullpen or a Jeffress who hadn't been used yet, right? If Josh Hader gets himself into trouble, right, and has got, you know, the bases loaded, do you think Craig Council would have taken him out, or, or do you still think Craig Council would have let Hader try to finish that inning last night? I think just from the game itself, you saw that there was nobody in the bullpen warming up. You know, yeah. this is Hader's, you know, he's riding Hader, so I feel like even if he had another arm in there, you know, this was this was exactly like you said. It was it was exactly his plan. So I feel like even if he had that extra arm, like this was this was the plan all along and that's what he was gonna go with whether he had someone or not. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, and I appreciate the phone call, Victoria. Victoria works over at uh, News Eight. Say hi to uh say hi to Ryan and Nate uh over at CBS. I hope well Ryan's a Cubs fan. Nate's just as sad as I am today, but I appreciate the phone call, Victoria, very, very much. And that's a, a thought that that I don't know if, if we had considered today the possibility that, that maybe the absence of Knable or Jeffers. I, I don't know if, if you needed both of them last night, but one other elite arm, right? One other just tough as nails, flame-throwing arm to bring in, right? And, and I think Knable, Jeffers, and Hayter were all on that upper level. They, they, they were on a, on a different tier last year where you could kind of bring them in whenever, wherever, and just feel pretty good that they were going to get out. I wonder if one extra elite arm last night would have made the difference. Where, where maybe Josh Hader was was feeling it a little bit, knowing that oh, I got to get six outs instead of just three. Right, I have to pitch the eighth and the ninth instead of just closing it out like a traditional closer would. That's something that I really hadn't considered. And uh, unfortunately, the Brewers are without Jeffress now. You hope Corey Knable comes back next year after Tommy John and and is. Uh, the level where he was two years ago. Well, whatever whatever Knable does, he's got to talk to Brent Suter because uh, Brent Suter was tremendous right off of Tommy John surgery. Whatever Brent Suter was having, Corey Knable should get himself some of that and and, and hopefully can return to, to a high level next year. Speaking about next year and speaking about this offseason, this is going to be really interesting offseason in the NL Central. This is a very interesting offseason. Not just for the Brewers, but for the Chicago Cubs, right? Their rival uh, in their division... Cubs might strip it down. Like Theo Epstein talking the other day, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out exactly what Theo means when he speaks to the press. Right, the other day, saying, "Well, it's you know, if you need someone to blame, blame me. It wasn't Joe Madden's fault. It was my fault." Right, second highest payroll in baseball. We need to get it done. And, and when I hear that, that, that makes no sense. Right. Well, if you have the second highest payroll in baseball, it sounds like the general manager had ha- you've done your job right, and it should be the manager's fault. But but the the logic getting a little bit twisted there, and and, and now Theo talking about how we got to we got to maybe make some major changes this year. I have a couple a couple friends who are Cubs fans. One Ryan working over at News Eight with Victoria thinks that they're going to clean house minus Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, and Anthony Rizzo. Right, a lot of aging players, a lot of expensive players. 
you need to inject some youth into the into the Cubs system somehow. I'm, I'm interested to see how Theo Epstein, and I think David Ross is ultimately going to be the new Cubs manager. I do. I'm interested to see what the Cubs do this offseason. The, the Brewers offseason might be even more intriguing. You make it to game seven of the NLCS, and then you take a step back the next year after really not... I mean, you went out and signed Moustakis and Grandal. Moose, you really just retained, right? Moustakis was a part of that that NLCS run a year ago. So you really just maintained there. You upgraded your catching spot in, in Grandal, and you saw that pay huge dividends last night, right? But you didn't go out and get high-priced pitching. You didn't improve your starting rotation. Your bullpen took a step back because of injuries, right? And because some guys were, were called into the starting rotation. The, the Brewers and their trajectory this offseason is, is going to be really interesting. The Brewers have young offensive pieces to be excited about, right? You have a lot of reason to, to be excited about Keston here, who, by the way, was terrible last night outside of his double. His first couple of bats, he looked lost up there. And I tweeted last night, you, fuck, you can follow me, at Keystroker Grant. I tweeted, look, Keston here looks his age. He looked 23 last night. And he ultimately got that big double, and, and hopefully that hit makes him feel better about postseason play moving forward. Brewers fans and, and the Brewers have a lot of reason to be excited about Keston Hira. I think there's a lot of reason to be excited about Trent Grisham. Right, just a nasty learning experience and a nasty slap of reality in Trent Grisham's rookie year in his first ever postseason game. But there's a lot of reason to be excited there. And the Brewers are going to need some young depth in that outfield. Let's not lie to ourselves because Ryan Braun limped to the finish line this year and Lorenzo Cain is limping everywhere, right? He looks like a car with a flat tire and a busted headlight when he's walking around. I don't know how the Brewers are going to get a couple more years of him. So the Brewers need depth in that outfield. They need young depth in the outfield, and I think Trent Grisham is a big part of that. They're going to need him to be a member of this Brewers and a contributing member of this Brewers team moving forward. And then, of course, you can talk about Bryce Durang, right? Their number one prospect and, and, and their middle infielder. Although, I haven't seen anything from Orlando Arcia that would indicate that, that they need to make a huge change there. Orlando Arcia last night had a couple fighting at bats. I, I believe he had a single, didn't he? I, I just don't have huge reason to believe the Brewers need to update their middle infield. They have young players to, to to be excited about. Pitching, I don't know. Pitching, I'm not as sure. A little bit different situation with pitching than with position players, right? Brandon Woodruff, I think, is is probably your opening day starter next year, which I, I don't even know if I like, right? Because I don't want him to to follow the same path that the, the, the previous Brewers opening day starters have, which has been injury, you know, just fall apart and ultimately get placed on waivers or move to the bullpen, right? I don't want that to happen to Brandon Woodruff. I almost hope he isn't the opening day starter next year. But outside of Woodruff, what are you looking like at pitching? I, I like Adrian Hauser. I do. I, I I don't really know what to expect from him next year. I, I still like Freddie Peralta, but I'm unsure. Are they, are they going to try to keep him in the bullpen? Are they going to try to cement him as a starting pitcher next year? I don't know. Corbin Burns? Who knows? Their pitching, I, I think, has a lot more question marks than their position players. And there's a lot more young position players, elite-level young position players to be excited about. The Brewers also have some some free agents that are up, right? Chase Anderson's going to be a free agent. Eric Thames, Matt Albers, Jordan Lyles, which after the way he performed, he's probably going to uh, command some money on, on the free agent market. Gio Gonzalez is going to be a free agent. Manny Pena, Drew Pomerantz. And then, of course, he has Monty Grandal and Mike Moustakis. You can't re-sign them all, not even close. It's really hard for me to envision the Brewers passing on re-signing Yasmani Grandal. If they got to spend money, and, and they do, right? The, 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 the time to compete, the time to spend money, the time to build up your team is now. 
Yasmani Grandal might be my first priority. I last night, I mean, he almost he almost did a second home run last night. And when Yasmani Grandal's not hitting home runs, he's not hitting doubles and triples. He's putting the ball in play or he's taking walks. Career high in walks this year. He's just on base. I the thought of the Brewers passing on re-signing Yasmani Grandal kills me to think about. Mike Moustakis is a little bit more interesting. I, I'm interested to see how much money he commands. I'd love to have them both back. I don't know if it's realistic. I'd love to have Eric Thames back, right? Eric Thames, say what you want, and I've been critical of Eric Thames just because I I, I don't know if he's the, the best traditional ball player, but last night he had a home run in the biggest game of his career. Brewers have a club option with Eric Thames next year, as they do Manny Pena and Chase Anderson, so not traditional free agents in the the purest sense. They're not unrestricted. There is a club option if the Brewers want to retain him. I just don't know what the Brewers are going to do because you want to retain Mike Moustakis and Yasmani Grandal. You can probably only do one, but we'll see. You want to retain Eric Thames and and Manny Pena. I mean, and Chase Sanders. You want to keep everybody, but is retaining everybody enough? I think the Brewers still have to go out and, and, and fortify their starting rotation, fortify their bullpen, Hope Corey Knable comes back. I don't know what the Brewers are going to do. It's going to be a puzzle that has a lot of moving parts, a lot of free agents with big price tags, right? Club options, two-way contracts, minor league options. It's 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 messy, and, and David Stearns is going to have his plate full this offseason, that's for sure. Because while managing all these free agents to be and these potential club options that they could put into action, you also got to look at, at, at improving your pitching staff. Always, always, always look at improving your pitching staff. And David Stearns in the past has found creative ways to do that without breaking the bank. I hope he can do the same this offseason. We've been burying the Brewers today. It is their funeral. They fell to the Nationals last night in their one-game playoff, 4-3. to three. I want to end the show on something different. I, I don't want to to close off the evening with with the taste of a Brewers loss in my mouth. Let's talk Packers. They have just a classic, exciting matchup coming up on Sunday. It's America's Game of the Week. It's Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, 325. It's the Cowboys at Jerry World. I'm excited. And I think this game has a really interesting storyline going into it. Not with the Cowboys or Dak Prescott, which has been all the conversation, right? Not with Devontae Adams' injury or what's going on with the Packers' offensive line, but with Aaron Rodgers and with Matt LaFleur. I'll explain coming up next. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show, uh, up in a moment, presented by Played Against Sports here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're having a good enough night, despite uh, the very disappointing Brewers game last night. I thought we'd finish with something else today. I don't really want to drive home uh, with this taste in my mouth, talking about the Brewers season being over when it was right there for the taking, right in the palm of their hand. Six outs to go, best pitcher on the mound. (sighs) We're used to it. We have become used to these heartbreaking uh, endings as Wisconsin sports fans. I I thought we'd talk about something else. I thought we'd look forward to something exciting, Uh, and that's the Packers and the Cowboys coming up this weekend. And look, I hate the Cowboys, right? Everybody hates the Cowboys. That's what you do. I love when the Packers play the Cowboys because I, I do truly think these two teams bring the best out of each other, right? These are these great, these games are always great. And, and this week for the Packers specifically in 2019, this week is so significant. All right, for a lot of reasons, it's so significant. Number one, these two teams do truly bring the best out of each other. I think it's very similar to Cubs Brewers. 
right? When Aaron Rodgers and Dak Prescott play, they both play very, very well, and they've both made a lot of clutch throws. Dak Prescott versus Green Bay, right? And this includes that one playoff game. 67 of 101. That's 66% completion. 800 passing yards, nine passing touchdowns, three interceptions, seven rushing attempts for 56 yards and a touchdown, and a record of one and two because Aaron Rodgers has just been that man. Three touchdowns and one interception in every single game. So that interception uh, to touchdown ratio of nine to three holds completely mathematically true uh, across all four of those games. Three touchdowns, one pick in every game. Dak Prescott's been great. Aaron Rodgers has been better. These two teams bring the best out of each other. These quarterbacks bring the best out of each other. Rodgers has had, this is significant. Rodgers has had so many moments at Jerry World, at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington, right? All the way back to Super Bowl 45. You want to talk about the Matt Flynn backup comeback game. That didn't include Aaron Rodgers, but included the Green Bay Packers. That was an incredible moment, an incredible game. You talk about the playoff game in 2016, where Rodgers threw that ball on the run to Jared Cook right on the boundary. Talk about the game in 2017 before Aaron Rodgers got hurt, where he marched him down the field in, in I don't remember how much time, just about a minute, and and eventually hit, hit that game-winning touchdown to Devontae Adams over Jordan Lewis in the end zone. Only it, it took him two tries, don't get me wrong, but he did eventually hit it, and the Packers go on to win. Lots of good moments in Dallas, in Arlington. Right, Aaron Rodgers doesn't lose there very often. Neither is Matt Flynn. This weekend's important. This weekend is significant for a different reason. Other than Dak Prescott and his excellent play against Aaron Rodgers and and all the memories and moments the Packers have had at AT AT&T Stadium, this weekend is significant for a different reason. This is the first time in the young coaching career of of Matt LaFleur that Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers are going to have to collaborate and actually come up with a specific game plan. Right? Now, Now, the Packers are four games in, and I have no doubt that Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers have already done plenty of game planning. Right, They have done plenty of scheming right, and scheduling of plays and talking about concepts to do. Right, These two, te- these two guys have worked together plenty, don't get me wrong. This weekend's going to be a little bit different, though. In the past, and in the past, I mean the last four weeks, Aaron Rodgers has, has kind of had his old ways to fall back on, right? As long as Devontae Adams is out there, they can look at each other with a wink and a nod and say, okay, just go do this. Right? Run this back shoulder. Right, go to the back pylon. Right, I'm going to get it to you right now and do something with it. Right, they got that little wink and a nod. They got that chemistry that is from years past. Right, that was built during the Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers era. So Aaron Rodgers is, and, and this offense has been able to fall back on that. Devontae Adams ain't going to play this weekend. At least it, it certainly doesn't seem like he's going to play. I, I would be amazed if he played with that turf toe injury. So Devontae Adams out, and while we're at it, Jamal Williams probably isn't going to play either. And you might be missing a member or two of your offensive line. So Aaron Rodgers will not have the old ways to lean back on with Devontae Adams. He will not have depth in the backfield with Jamal Williams. It's going to be the Aaron Jones show. And he might not have Brian Bulaga. Right? He might not have two healthy tackles, which he has had, geez, going all the way back to 2013, 2014. Right? When David Bakhtiar really started to peak and hit his prime as a left tackle. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to have any of that to fall back on. This week, it's about Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers sitting down and coming up with a game plan that is completely 2019. That is completely Matt LaFleur, not Mike McCarthy. That's completely not based off a wink and a nod and prior chemistry, but based on running the plays that are called. 
or audibling to plays that are within the the can, the pocket of Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. And I can make an argument that they haven't really had to do that yet this year. Right? They have had that that old security blanket and Devontae Adams to lean back on. They ain't there this weekend. So, Packers lost to Philly on Thursday night, which means they have 10 days. They have a mini-buy to prepare for Dallas, a place where Aaron Rodgers has played well and won a lot, to come up with the best possible game plan. So we're going to sit back. We're going we're gonna to put our hands together, maybe get a drink, and we're going to see what they come up with. I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel. One of my biggest question marks about this Packers team going into the season uh, was running back depth. Right? I have all my Packers and my NFC North predictions pinned at the top of my Twitter profile. Go check it out. At Keystroker Grant. It says right in there. Worried about Packers running back depth, right? What if they lose Jamal Williams or Aaron Jones? Where do you go from there? Well, that's the situation, that's the situation we're in. A lot of people throughout the offseason and even up until this week worried about, okay, behind Devontae Adams, who's your number two wide receiver? Well, that's come to a head this weekend. Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, for the first time, I could argue in 2019, are going to have to sit down and come up with a unique game plan for unique circumstances for a road game which will be broadcast as America's Game of the Week. This is a challenge that these two haven't faced yet. Aaron Rodgers is adapting a new offensive system, correct? A new head coach, new play-calling style. But he's been able to always fall back on number 17. Just run this round. A little wink, a little nod, right? Little little point with your hand. That chemistry. He doesn't have that to fall back on this weekend. It's Aaron Rodgers and it's Matt LaFleur. 10 days to prepare for unique circumstances in a very, very big game. Packers are 3-1. and one. There's a big difference between 4-1 and one and 3-2, and two, right? And with the Vikings in a bad spot right now, I know they're only 500, but things not appearing to be off to the best of starts, right? And the Bears now missing their starting quarterback. And the Lions, they're playing really well. Packers need to keep pace with the Lions, and they need to continue, if possible, to try to separate themselves from the Bears and the Vikings while they try to figure things out. 10 days to prepare. No number one wide receiver, no extra running back. What do you got? What do you cook up? What do you show us on Sunday? I think this is going to be a big, this is going to be a big telltale sign of how the offense under Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur is coming along. And we're no doubt going to talk about it tomorrow. We're going to talk about it on Friday as the week rolls on as well, as we wait for Green Bay Dallas coming up on Sunday. Going to be so fun. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about Brewers as well. We'll talk Badgers all throughout the week. The Brewers are done. Let's maybe pivot, talk more about the Badgers. I'll be back tomorrow. Talk to you then.